Hello and welcome to What We Don't Talk About, a podcast that runs towards the difficult conversations we all struggle to have. In it, we explore the experiences you might go through and the explanations that can help you understand them. I'm Alice Sowerby and I co-host the podcast with Kerry. I'm incurably curious about what it's like to be a human and the reasons why our experiences are the way they are. I work in tech and I've held leadership and management roles across a wide range of organisations. And I'm Kerry Newton-Sarganar, an agile professional, coach and training neuroscientist with a passion for brains, books and tea. I love a nerdy look at why we do what we do on a behavioural and neuroscientific level and then exploring how we can do better for ourselves and for the folks around us. This is our first series of four podcasts in which we explore some of the challenges of being a first-time manager. So we are live. Mm. Only swear if you really mean it. <laughs> I always mean it. So um, this is the first podcast and we are going to be talking about today. If you're a manager, sometimes you are scared to do what you need to do. And one of the things that you might be scared about is giving feedback. So there is a lot of conventional wisdom out there about giving feedback. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. But then we're also going to talk about some of the things that don't often get mentioned about giving feedback. Um, and we're, so we're going to just dig into that a little bit and see what see what comes up. So, Kerry, what's your um, what, what have you heard in terms of con- conventional wisdom for giving feedback? Yeah, well, I think the the thing that I've seen or heard is um, the. <laughs> The so-called uh, poop sandwich. Yeah, we can call it the shit sandwich, can't we? we? Tomorrow, we can call Let's it. Get that other way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the shit sandwich, right? So it's it's the feedback in the middle. Uh, yeah. You know, straight up blunt information, hand-in-person. but either side of that, you say something nice. Yeah, about the person. Like, yeah. really hard working. But here's the crap bit. Yeah. But it's okay, or it's not okay, but but we still like you. <laughs> Something yeah. like that. Great yeah. job doing this thing that but you can improve in this way, but still great job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the problem with that is that we tune out the bread. Mm. We just we we just ignore it. We recognize it as the dross and the meaningless crap that it is and we just we ignore it and then we fixate on on the bit in the middle yeah and, and the problem is that you know the person giving the feedback um often takes the position that they've dressed it up nicely enough you know the two bits either side will support the other person through the really crappy bit in the middle mm. even if it's not that crappy but people then spend a lot of effort in thinking how to dress it up either side and then they just give the bit in the middle straight up without necessarily thinking so much about how they're going to say that assuming that the the bread is what's going to carry it through and help it land properly yeah um yeah yeah it's it's i mean it's terrible advice right because (laughs) i don't know about you but i wouldn't want any shit in a sandwich because ultimately (laughs) I'm definitely going to notice. <laughs> I presume I would notice. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and it, I, I honestly, I wouldn't want to waste some really nice avocado by putting inside a shit sandwich. Um, and I think that all joking aside, like what if you have got good advice to give, separate that from if you have got good feedback to give, don't give that with bad feedback because they won't even hear the good feedback and you've kind of wasted the opportunity to to actually give real praise. And if you're not going to use real praise, then it's going to sound even worse yeah. than if you did, right? Um, so, so I it definitely um, that's definitely some common but really bad advice. Mm. I think um, one of the things that I was thinking about with the shit sandwich because I know we've talked about it before is I think there's something in there, but I don't think it's really presented correctly. And I wonder if it it ever was kind of intended in this way but but I, I sort of think a good a better way to to use that sort of format is to to set the context to reassure the person that you're kind of on their side and that it's going to be a constructive experience and that it's not going to just be about um uh, just pure sort of criticism or attack or, or kind of berating of that person so you would you would start off by saying you know there's something I need to talk to you about. Um, you know, it is going to be constructive feedback. And I, I am going to work, you know, I'm giving it to you with the intention that it's something we're going to be able to work on and address. Uh, and with that in mind, start, you know, kind of jump into it and try not to varnish it too much. Uh, and then at the end, you would reinforce the fact that it's it's uh, presumably a solvable problem or that, that there is a route forwards. Mm. And from that point of view, you know, you sort of start off reassuring, you then go into the difficult part and then you come out reassuring at the end. Mm. And sort of, it, rather than, so you're sort of managing the emotional contours of it rather than using a, some kind of weird distraction <laughs> mm. to, to kind of try and like, oh, well, I gave you the bad thing, but now no, don't worry about that. Here's, here's a nice thing. Yeah. Because um, I don't know how you're going to talk about the... The, the criticism or the or the sort of feedback about the difficult stuff if you're just trying to whiz past it and then talk about something happy mm. is it sort of indicates that you actually want to talk about that that mm. thing somehow mm. so the the thing that i um uh, the thing that i was reading about in terms of how to both how to deliver but also you know how to respond to that feedback but um so when you're thinking about delivering that feedback exactly as you've said you know don't there's no there's no need to dress it up there's no need to um you know to, to surround it with the meaningless uh, meaningless crap and the important point to, to note there is that we have a really really finely tuned bullshit filter I mean, we can hear in a um, something like a, a, a three second clip of laughter or even shorter clip of laughter, whether that laughter is real or fake. Mm. We can hear in people's tones of voice how sincere they are when they're saying something. And this, I think, is where this model of feedback goes really wrong because people are spending so much time and effort trying to dress it up with something that essentially is quite insincere rather than uh, and this is sort of the the, the, the advice to counter that uh, that way of doing things is to instead think about you know why it is that you want to give this person this feedback what it is in them that makes you want to help them to be better and 
one of the most powerful behaviors that we can use is our need for social inclusion. So, um, you know, when we experience feedback, if it's negative feedback, we uh, we experience it essentially as a form of rejection. Mm. So, and that has um, there's there's fMRI uh, scans of our brain responses to rejection, uh, and it's it's quite a significant response. And similarly, our response to uh, feelings of social inclusion is um is is you know the, the, the brain lights up uh, mm. when we feel socially included and we get physical sensations akin to pain or mm. you know in the same areas of our brain that we we register pain when we get when we feel like we're being rejected when we feel like we're being in some way um you know kicked out of the herd if you will and mm. similarly when we get that more positive reinforcement we get the same sensations of physical warmth uh, so there's a really interesting study where they uh, asked participants to read letters uh, from close family members about um, giving them feedback, saying, you know, I really care about you and you're the only person who cares about me more than themselves in my life. And the participants, when they were reading these uh, these um, letters, the same areas in their brain uh, lit up as when they were holding warm uh, objects. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it literally is a feeling of warmth that you mm. get. And similarly, um, you know, the, the, the centers of the brain that light up uh, when we experience rejection are the same as if we were experiencing physical pain. Um, mm. I think this, there was a study that showed it feels like being punched. Um, huh. So when we dress up feedback as the shit sandwich, essentially, we don't get the sincere feeling of warmth and love, but yeah. we do get the feeling of being punched in the middle. And then that's followed by more insincerity. And mm -hmm. that's why it's so hard for people to receive feedback, to deal with it effectively. And that's why a really common response is to get really defensive. So the way that's suggested then of doing it differently is to actually, um, to still talk about the thing that needs to be improved, but to place it within the context of your care for that individual. So if I was speaking to you, you know, talking about how much I, I care about you and your progress and your development and want you to feel supportive. And this is the you know, these are the areas that we can move forwards and grow to help you to move into that position more effectively. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and, and something that came to mind for me when you were talking about that was um, this is and this is something that I was told when I was teaching or learning to teach um, that you know you must be very careful not to reject the person but just mm -hmm. to correct the behavior and to disassociate the feedback or, or to make the feedback about the behavior not about the person and I think it is it's very hard to to feel that you're being rejected for who you are because at the end of the day you're you know you it's very hard to change who you are um, and, and that feels like something that if you are rejected for who you are, um, that is something that you can't do a lot about. Um, whereas if it was a sort of contextual behaviour and it was a choice and maybe you could have chosen something else or you didn't know there was another choice, um, but now you do because you're getting feedback, then that becomes much more sort of constructive, particularly if like you, you say that you are taking the time to reinforce that 
as a person, you find them valuable. And the sense of compassion is that you are taking the time to put yourself in a difficult position because as a manager, it's not nice to tell someone that they didn't do something right or, or that they made a mistake or, or whatever whatever the feedback might be. Um, you know, I'm that you're prepared to go through this difficult conversation as, um, as a way of investing in them because you care about them and because it's actually in both your interests that they resolve that behavior pattern or behavior thing that they did um and 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 move forward you know and and become more effective and uh, in in doing the job that you both uh, presumably want them to do that ties into um uh, you know what you were saying about talking about the behavior not the person that sort of ties into some of the work that carol dweck was doing um, about the the growth and the fixed mindset so you know for people who have that fixed uh, mindset their success is quite intrinsically linked to their sense of self-worth mm. so when they get that feedback that says you know you're not as successful as you thought or you're not going in the right direction that impacts on their sense of self-worth I think that can be a really tricky thing to navigate yeah I, I think it very much is um one of the one of the things that I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on is is it we don't often talk about the fact that as a manager you can't necessarily always um fully control the situation when you're having a conversation with someone else mm. um and you know we're, we're given advice on sort of how to structure the call and you know what kind of language to use and you know how to give the other person a sense of sort of security and stability and so on but I don't know that we talk very much about the fact that you can't remove that risk and some people are just going to not respond well to any kind of feedback for their own just because of their own way that they are and the place that they might be in at the time when you speak to them mm. it, it seems to me that all those things are focused really on reducing the risk of um, having an unpleasant experience as a manager or, or even inflicting as it's perceived an unpleasant experience on the employee and I think it's important to understand as a manager that you cannot remove the risk that it will go painfully I don't want to judge it as being good or bad but you might experience it as a very pain, a difficult or painful experience mm -hmm. and and that isn't always within your control because however much you prepare or however much you um are skilled the other person you you know it's a, it's a two-part thing isn't it you know it's them and it's you and and they some people are just um you know not in a space where they can really um you know who they might feel, find themselves triggered they they may not have the emotional capacity at that time or for whatever reason um and you know they just may have learned behaviors around lashing out or blowing up or you know retreating and sometimes you just can't make it however much you want to into a sort of pleasant what is it pleasant but like productive and managed experience mm. so yeah. I wonder what your your sort of take on that is yeah so I mean there's there's a few things there aren't there so I think that the hardest thing in the moment is when you're 
faced with somebody who isn't receptive to your ideas or who gets defensive in the face of what you're uh, you're saying to them even if you've taken every step that you can to make that situation as safe and as um, you know supportive as possible it, it even then people can react in a, you know uh, they can be defensive they can be aggressive they can start attacking you as an individual and I think the hardest thing in that in, in that moment is to manage your own threat response um, so you know when when uh, our threat response is triggered and this will be happening for the other person as well um, but you know when that threat response is triggered it's a it's a completely reactive um, response we don't control that and it happens in milliseconds it completely bypasses uh, your, your prefrontal cortex so that's the bit of your brain that's uh, that's largely responsible for your decision making your problem solving all of your creative thinking you know all of these sort of more complex social proactive productive behaviors that bit completely bypassed um, your amygdala is triggered you know all of these uh, stress and response centers of your brain essentially light up as if you are physically under threat mm. that can be really hard to manage both for the person who's receiving the feedback and is you know triggered in that in that way um, and also for the person giving the feedback and it's really important to be mindful of the state that you're both likely to be in when you're giving and receiving that feedback so there was um some work done around what are called hot and cold emotional states. Mm. We are really good at predicting how we will react, um, you know, in a, in a calm state, you know, predicting how, when we are in a calm state, we're really good at predicting how we'll react in a calm state. When we're in a calm state, we are really bad at predicting how we will respond in an emotionally fraught um or, or emotionally charged state so that's a so-called hot state um, and we imagine ourselves as being possessed of all sorts of rational thoughts um, mm. that in the heat of the moment simply don't exist we can't mm -hmm. access them because the you know as i say those pathways are just being bypassed <clears throat> so you know one of the hardest things is to choose in the moment to, to not say anything and to let some of those uh, some of those responses actually calm down and to invite the other person to do the same so it takes around 90 seconds for cortisol to subside from the initial trigger and if you can ride that 90 seconds out between mm. the two of you you can actually go on to have a much more constructive and productive conversation recognizing that there has been this physical trigger um, and stepping back from that and choosing not to wade in in the moment because all that's going to happen if you carry on with that and you you know try and blast through that 90 second period is you're both going to then be triggering each other and that's when situations get out of hand and you know things go horribly wrong if we can stay in that emotionally cool or calm state for that 90 seconds and let the other person have their reaction too what we can then do is shift the conversation around um, and it might be at that point time to step away from the feedback and actually focus on the needs of the individual in that moment because yeah. it may well be that there are deeper issues far beyond the feedback 
yeah. that, um, you know, that come up when we see yeah. these responses in people. And unless we're mindfully dealing with those, the, the feedback becomes largely irrelevant at that point. You're not going to get anywhere with that anyway. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It, it, it reminds me of something that I have heard, which seemed to be, it's probably um, a sort of, uh, it's probably based on what you've been talking about, which is if you are in a highly emotional state, then you essentially are not particularly rational. Mm-hmm. And so you can't actually think rationally and logically. And, and that's that's where you need to be in order to sort of do that thing that we were talking about earlier of saying, okay, so that wasn't really what we want in that situation. What do we want? And how do we how do we start practicing doing it this way instead of doing it the other way? Mm-hmm. Um, and and what I think you're saying is, you know, just be aware that you can't just make you can't just brute force your way through that moment and you actually have to give it the space it needs yeah and I guess this is why people count to 10 right it's that 90 seconds yeah or maybe it's a longer than 10 yeah (laughs) (laughs) and what I also sort of think I get from what you've just said is that although you can sort of plan to try and manage it you also have to just accept the fact that it can go a number of ways and if it does if if you do end up triggering into an emotional state or the other person does it's okay it is okay and you just have to give it a little bit of time and it doesn't mean that anything has gone wrong but it it does just mean you have to switch into a slightly different mode at that point um so the another thing that i was interested to talk with you about is the idea of like why feedback becomes scary Mm. um and from experience I have a few reasons why I think I can sometimes be afraid to give feedback um one is that I sometimes I think um I might not have enough evidence for 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 my opinion on the feedback so if I think somebody has or hasn't sort of done something that they should or shouldn't have done I might not feel very sure that that there's a real pattern and and evidence base there. So then I think, well, I just need to give it a bit longer, track it for longer, gather more evidence, because, you know, we tend to get given the advice as managers, collect your evidence of a pattern, you know, go go with objective incidents. Like on this day, I asked you to do this and then you did didn't do that by you know you didn't meet the expectation we set expectations you set goals you didn't meet the deadline and if you ever go to sort of manage training they're always talking about your report was due by x day and you didn't do that and it's like the most it's like the most simple and objective example that they always give it's never sort of this idea that that maybe they're not really responding enough or they're not mm. uh, um uh, I'm not going to be able to think of an example, but I suppose like it's that confidence of being able to go in and say, um, um, this isn't really objective, but I get the feeling that, or, or a few times this has happened and it makes me wonder X, Y, Z. And so that 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 is one thing that would make me wonder whether, like maybe I shouldn't give feedback yet. So this is sort of sense of, is it too soon to give feedback? Was it a one-off? Is, is there a pattern? And for what I t- have tended to think through experience now is that I've, I've often tended to wait 
to see if I can see a pattern emerging and to see if it's quotes really a problem or not. Mm. But in reality, um, it's actually better to just have a conversation. So like, don't let it build up, even if you're not sure you can be objective about it, but to, to go and say, I've noticed something. I don't know if it's a problem or not, but it makes me think we need to talk about it because I, maybe I just don't understand like why I'm seeing this and maybe I'm looking at the whole picture or you can have have a conversation because you're not building up to sort of now it's like a fire or you know firing or not firing kind of situation um and 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 yeah what do you think about that so I would reframe that again I love what you said about you know actually just going and having the conversation because I think you know one of the problems with feedback is that a lot of managers save it for the yearly appraisal or if they're you know if they're really on it a quarterly appraisal Mm. and actually the more often we're having these conversations the more familiar they become so they hold less fear for both people because of the regularity with which you're assessing um, or inviting them to assess how they're doing Mm. and inviting them to assess how they're doing is how I would reframe that so Mm. Um, one of the the ways that I've uh, always dealt with people is I, I wouldn't go into that situation and say this is what I've noticed I would go into the situation and say tell me what you've noticed about you know such and such this project um, you know the things that you said that you do tell me what you've you know tell me what you've noticed here um, and I think the, the the point here is when somebody is underperforming and I think a lot of the management training treats people um, it's slightly condescending. It, you know, it assumes that they don't know. If they're underperforming, likely as not, they know. They know that they're not pulling their weight. They know that they haven't done stuff that they say that they were going to do. And the longer that conversation is left, the more uncomfortable that conversation gets for both people. Mm. They already know. And so going into that conversation, assuming or, or you know, giving them the, uh, the, the credibility to say, you know, I, I know that you see what's happening here. You know, you have value, you have uh, you know, experience and expertise in this. Talk to me about what's happening. Tell me what's going on here. And I think that way of doing things, again, it, you know, it comes back to that thing about not triggering people's Uh, threat responses is actually inviting them to tell you what they think because that way you're not pointing the finger or accusing them they're the ones highlighting the problem and this is one of the ways that we can actually uh, help people to build up more autonomy and more control over their own processes is inviting them to look at um, you know look at them from their perspective and asking them for their perspective instead of you know this sort of top-down way of giving them hours and I you know I think that and this possibly is what sits under that discomfort of going in with the evidence you know when you go in with evidence um you know it, it's really hard to, to to say well I've seen this this and this and this and not to trigger a defensive response mm. because you know, at the point where you've got more than 
one thing on that list they're like oh right so this has been a problem for a while and you've been watching me and now there's you know there's yeah. you didn't mention it like the first time it happened right. you let me do it five times just so that you could prove that I was actually definitely doing it right <laughs> and then there's the, the the risk that they then get this sense of oh well you've saved it up so that you can yeah. take me down yeah and the you know the like the the response to that then is is so much more risk laden and yeah. so this is why I really loved what you said about having the conversation sooner and even if you go into that conversation I've noticed that you know this has been happening what are your thoughts um you know even even that conversation is going to be painful sure but so much less painful than going in in three months time and saying here's all the things that I've collected yeah. in the last yeah. three months yeah um, you know what are you going to do about it uh yeah there's there's definitely there's two things in, in what what you've just said that I think are real takeaways and one is um I've heard this described as bring the pain forwards mm. so if you know you're gonna have to do something painful mm. don't wait the eat the frog you know do, yeah. do it today do it now yeah. you know stop what you're doing and just just do it now because it well first of all you're not going to be worrying about it and second of all you know you kind of that's your job mm. it's your job to do that it's your job as a manager to to support that person that means you are you need to tell them and you also you also owe it to your employer because so you're being paid to to do right is to to make your employees as sort of productive as possible you know this is yeah. unfortunately um you know a truth about the world we work in um and the second thing is um as much as possible giving somebody agency to um understand themselves and, and own their own um their own development and their own standards and and obviously there are external expectations that you would set as a manager but at the end of the day um it really has to be an, an agreement I think because I had a coach once who said to me you can have an expectation and someone else can have an expectation but if if you don't share them and get them into a common agreement mm -hmm. then you're both of you will be disappointed yeah. because their expectation will be that um you know their view of the world and, and yours will be yours and never the twain you know it's just only luck if they really happen to line up yeah. um and and that sense of that sense of if you say to someone um you know you have done this this and this but i expect you to do that that and that then you're basically saying to them that you know you have to meet standards, standards that I set for you, rather than saying to them what do you think a good a, a good outcome here would be, and like how would you approach it, and um, that gives it takes. I think they're like two routes. Like one is for them to be sort of independent and enabled, and and thinking for themselves, mm. and having ownership, which I know is a very popular word. Can I say the word empowerment? Empowerment. <laughs> that's one of that's one of my most most hated words <laughs> no it's 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 just so used um or, and the other is learned helplessness which isn't talked about nearly enough because if you are if you're not holding that space for someone to say no well, what do I think I know I report to you but what do I think about what what should happen here and, and how I should do it and where my strengths would take me you're like you're outsourcing 
your common sense to someone else and that just puts you in a sort of victim state and it's like I don't I don't know I just do what I'm told mm. and yeah. and that's it's that's horrible for the manager as well as being horrible for the, for the employee because nobody wants an employee who just says you tell me what to do and I'll do it mm-hmm. that's that's like it's hard work to manage someone who says that. yeah absolutely and then when you get to the you know the one-to-one the appraisal in in however many months time and you deliver the feedback mm. what, what a what a profound shock to then get mm. that feedback at mm. the end of that period mm. you know and, and I think you know that that's one of the biggest contributing factors to that you know that that sense of learned helplessness well what can I do if I don't know about it until six or 12 months down the line what's the point mm. where, where can I go with that because I thought that I was doing fine all along and it turns out I wasn't so you know nobody's told me until now what's the point yeah yeah so I think we're nearly up on time but one final thought (laughs) that I've got and I'll let you see if you have a final thought or not um is that it's just better to have the conversations than not have them and and like they might go worse than you wanted but it the more you have more often you have them the less uh, correction will be needed, course correction. I don't mean like correction of the person. I just mean like correction of understanding. Yeah, um, yeah just yeah, do, do, do them, don't put them off. <laughs> yeah. and, and if they're not great, then, you know, you'll be learning, you'll be getting better at it. And, mm. uh, or at least you, you won't be, um, yeah, you'll get more used to uncomfortable situations mm. or they might become more comfortable. It's quite a long rambly last thought. <laughs> well, that's it. I think you know if you can build up familiarity with the uncomfortable then it, it becomes less uncomfortable for you um and I, yeah, absolutely people should be having those conversations more regularly I mean weekly daily if you can yeah, you know yeah. five minute check-in how are you doing? feedback micromanagement well, but not telling people asking people that's I think that's the difference you know there's this misconception that the management means standing there and telling people what to do actually I think largely it means standing there and asking people how they're doing yeah um, yeah and you know and from my side I suppose the you know the, the one thought that that hasn't been covered is actually being willing to receive feedback as a manager as well mm. you know, one of the ways to create that safe space is by showing that you're open to having the same threat level or to being exposed to the same threat level so you know how can I manage you better how can I support you better what am I not doing that you need Um, and actually placing yourself in a position of more vulnerability because that then you know takes the the other person off of the back foot um, and you know gives them a say in how they're led how they're managed um, and helps them to feel safer, which means that the feedback that you do give them carries less threat as well, because, you know, they know that they can offer it back to you. Yeah, I like that. that and that that relates to some, that triggers more thoughts, but we don't have time for it. Um, but I'd love to talk about in the future, maybe boundaries, yeah. um, which is really important, and also possibly like transactional analysis. Mm. And I think that really relates to what you're talking about being being on a sort of peer-to-peer yeah. um, or at least on a level in terms of feedback rather than a, a sort of uh, level of authority or hierarchy above someone. 
But, you know, it's complicated because obviously as a manager, you are in a hierarchy. So we'll just leave that one hanging, I think. <laughs> for another time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. To find out more about the podcast or to send us questions, you can visit our webpage at www.dta.co.uk. You can also get in touch by email at hello at www.dta.co.uk or on our LinkedIn page. Links for all these places are in the show notes. And if you liked this podcast, please give us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next time. Bye.